everyone. Welcome to the Travel Coach, Moving Body, Mind and Spirit. My guest today is an award-winning master of wine, communicator and consultant, born and brought up in Belfast and currently based in London. After graduating with first-class honors, she joined the wine trade, working for several businesses, including the prestigious Berry Brothers and Roth. She completed her WSET diploma and went on to achieve the Master of Wine qualification, winning three awards in the process. In 2016, she established her own business, providing a range of services to her clients, such as wine list design, corporate and private wine testing events, private wine tuition, and targeted help for WSET diploma students. And Mikel, welcome to The Travel Coach. Thank you, Sonia. I can't wait to connect with you and with your lovely audience. I know this is going to be a great episode. Definitely. And thank you very much for joining. It's a pleasure to have you on board today. As you know, as usual, my first question for you is about your relationship with travel growing up. I would like to know more about what memories do you have from this phase of your life? You know, when uh, when you told me you were going to ask me this question, the first thought I had was, I didn't travel anywhere until I was 16. And then I remembered that when I was nearly seven years old, my whole family moved to America for a year. <laughs> I'd always wow. sort of like completely blanked it out. Uh, but it was 1987, I was six years old, nearly seven. And I was a very innocent, sort of naive child. And the next thing my father announces that he's going on a year's sabbatical. We're going to Mississippi for six months and Nevada for six months. And we're all moving there. And suddenly there I was in the deep south of America, studying at elementary school and having to learn how to interpret a new southern drawl where everyone called me Anne, like that. <laughs> and I had to work real hard to understand what they were saying. But... It was, it was transformational, you know, I know that that's what you specialize in, the transformational nature of travel, and that was um, definitely a start. But after that, I would say I didn't really travel much uh, until I was 16. We mainly took family holidays in Ireland, but at the age of 16, we went on a summer holiday to France, and that ignited in me a love of the French language. I'd already been studying it. But I just thought it was so wonderful that all these people around me communicated in something so foreign. Uh, I then went on to study French at university and I lived in the city of Lyon for a year. And that was what got me ultimately into the wine business. That was my question, right? Because I, I feel so curious. I know that, well, I felt, first of all, I felt so impressed about your CV and all, you know, the degrees and qualifications and awards you have. I know that there is only 419 masters of wine in the world and only 151 are women. So I'm curious about where this passion for wine comes from. Where, how come did you decide to, to make it a, a profession? You know, Sonia, it kind of happened by accident, like some of the best things in life. Uh, the passion for wine was there from quite an early age because my father's really into wine as an amateur. And, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, we would drink wine with dinner uh, around the, the, the dinner table. My father would always talk about how he had founded the first ever student wine society at Queen's University in Belfast back in the 1960s. So there was this love of wine in our family. 
but it's not the kind of thing that you know university careers offices will tell you you can make a career out of so uh it didn't even occur to me uh to, to make a career out of it but when i left university with my french degree i didn't know what i wanted to do and i applied for all these jobs where they wanted a french speaker and the first job i got offered was in a small wine agency in mm. london so i was using my french skills and i you know arranging all the orders coming into the uk of the french wines amazing wow i look at you now <laughs> i know super so Correct me if I am wrong, but I, I have the feeling that this is still a very male-dominated industry. I don't know if you had any experience, any challenge uh, as a woman, especially at the beginning of your career. You know, it's interesting that question because it's not something that I personally have experienced. Uh, certainly, like many industries, uh, it has traditionally been very male-dominated and that is shifting, uh, you know, so a third of the membership of the Institute of Masters of Wine is female, as you pointed out. Uh, but if you look at the balance of who's actually studying for the Master of Wine, then it's 50-50. Uh, um, mm. And I found actually that in the area that I was in, which was more educating, uh, communicating about wine, there were just as many as many women. I think some uh, women that, that I encountered in the industry who perhaps were working on the sales, more brokerage side of fine wine, encountered a more male-dominant environment. But personally, yeah, it wasn't something that was a challenge for me. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, you're obviously an excellent student and you are, you know, based on your academic achievements. So you understood wine intellectually really well wine theory and wine tasting, obviously. So, but you said that you didn't get wine the way you did until you traveled to the regions which produced it. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can get a very solid understanding of wine and an enjoyment for wine, I would say, from tasting wine wherever you're based and reading books and attending courses. Um, but there are certain things that you can only you can only really ignite this deep excitement and deep passion for it when you go and experience the place where the wine was made. So on one level, wine is just a beverage uh, and it's a beverage that many of us enjoy on a regular basis. Uh, and on another level, it's a product which is uniquely tied to the place that it comes from. And it is intertwined in that place with the history, the culture, the geography, and the people of that place. Um, and there's something that uh, each of those things brings to a glass of wine. And when you go there and you experience it, uh, you meet the people, you learn about the history, you see that the reason this particular vineyard is sheltered from the wind is because that mountain sits over there and that's why the grapes ripen at a certain time and when you stand in the vineyard this is one of my very favorite ones when you stand in the very vineyard that the wine you're drinking came from that's something that's really hard to equal um, and then what happens is that when you then come home and drink a wine from one of those places again it sort of re-infuses you with all those experiences you had and you get to remember all of those people and places and just, just by having that glass of wine. 
Do you have any specific place? Because I know you travel all over the world and, and you visited many of these uh, countries that are producing wines. Is there any specific place that you have, you know, close to your heart that you would like to share? Oh my goodness, it's so hard, Sonia. That's like when people ask me what my favorite wine is. I'm like, oh my goodness. I've, oh, I've been to so many beautiful places. Probably one of the most transformational wine travel experiences for me was uh, in 2016, early 2016. I had just handed in my notice to my job uh, at Berry Brothers and Rudd. I'd been there for 10 years. Uh, but it was time to take a big leap into the unknown and do something different. So I handed in my job without anything concrete to go to. And I took a sort of months long sabbatical and I went to uh, Stellenbosch in South Africa, a place I had always dreamed of visiting. And for the first time, I actually worked in a winery. So I did the production side of things, which again was something up until that point I had only read about in books and witnessed from a distance. And all of my, uh, my former colleagues from Berry Brothers were sort of laughing at me because they know, um, you know, I like to be quite glamorous. I like to have my nails done. I don't like to indulge in a lot of manual labor. And then suddenly there I was in a winery wearing sort of scruffy tracksuit bottoms, having my manicure ruined, being in the winery at 7 a.m. every day, kind of hauling things around and and you know taking measurements in tanks and, and doing this thing where you punch down you have to mix up the skins and the, the juice uh, during the red wine fermentation so sort of punching them down with a stick and all this kind of thing um it was hard work but it was at a really pivotal moment for me because i was just starting out on my self-employed journey and it was also really i think really important for me to realize that the story i told myself that oh i wasn't the person who did manual labor, etc. I could, I could do all these things. And, you know, I was genuinely helpful to the team there and met wonderful people that I'm still in touch with. And um, so it is really close to my heart. And I dream of going back to Stellenbosch before too long. Wow, what an experience. And yeah, if you tell, if you tell to yourself a few years ago before that, you would say, I would never do that, right? And you were yeah. there yeah. doing you by yourself. Exactly. So how do you think these, these experiences, traveling to the place, learning about, you know, where the wine comes from, talking about the people that um, were there involved, how will these experiences help you to, to be better in your profession, in your field? I think primarily uh, they, they give you that passion so that what you're doing doesn't feel like work in one sense. Um, but it also helps you just on a practical level to understand better because the wine industry, as you've kind of touched upon, has got um, quite an established series of qualifications that you can work your way through, professional qualifications. So beginning with the Wine and Spirit Education Trust examinations and then finishing with the Master of Wine. Um, and in order to do well in those exams, you need to really understand your subject. And like I say, you can learn it from books but it just sinks into your mind so much more when you ha have been somewhere, you've spoken to the winemaker, you've, you know, in my case, you've taken those measurements in the tank every morning at 7 a.m. and you've seen how the fermentation is bubbling away and developing. It's much easier to um, then explain that to someone else, to pass those exams and to do what I still do as a job, which is to communicate with others and, and spread that passion, share that joy. 
Definitely. And what you said, you learn what you cannot learn in books, being there and experiencing the places. And, and that's something that travel brings, right? That is, is something yeah. that is one difficult of my to communicate. Yeah? It is, yeah. One of my favorite examples is, you know, when you're studying for your Wine and Spirit Education Trust exams, one of the things you always learn about is the different pests that, you know, eat grapes during the harvest in vineyards all over the world. And so here in England, for example, it's not very exotic, you know, it's birds who eat grapes. Uh, but then you learn in your books that in the south of France, it's wild boar. In South Africa, it's baboons. And in Australia, it's kangaroos. And the first time that I saw a whole bunch of kangaroos hopping around a vineyard, <laughs> sort of trying to get at the grapes, I was like, ah, right, okay, so this is real. And you never forget something like that. And it's just so, it was so funny to see it. It's from knowledge to experience, totally. You, you will create a memory there that you will not forget easily, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, based on your experience and all the places you travel, you know, you've been around wine and, well, you are from north of Europe, yeah? From north of Ireland, now living in the UK. So can you see differences maybe culturally um, in these countries that are wine-producing countries versus the beer or whiskey-producing countries that you can you have noticed maybe around food mm. or how people gather? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say that uh, it's certainly, I would describe it as a kind of a Mediterranean culture. You know, the idea that wine is to be consumed with food, it's to be consumed around a table with others. Um, and that is a culture that has through globalization it has spread you know so we, we we in northern europe we we have a really established wine culture in many countries um and so it's very similar but it definitely originated i would say around the mediterranean countries um and one of the first um french language experiences i had after that holiday when i was when i was 16 the following year at age 17 i went to be an au pair in um, northern France for five weeks to become fluent in French and you know the father of the family it was it was on a farm in Brittany and I was taking care of the kids while they were out working in the farm uh, but at lunchtime they always came back uh, and the father would always have wine with lunch and that that was something that we just didn't do at home uh, so that was very very different culturally and I would say that's still something that that I remember and I, I still can't even have wine at lunch you know I just just makes me fall asleep afterwards I know in Spain you have your siesta for that right <laughs> yeah definitely we are used to you know the glass of wine and they say it's healthy well I don't know if you have any opinion on that that some doctor said one glass of wine every day is good for your heart but there uh, certainly yeah, yeah there certainly that. has been a lot of evidence showing that so absolutely I believe that, or I want to believe that maybe. <laughs> so tell me more about this um, beautiful trip you had. The last, I, I don't know if it's the last one, but the last one I know at least that the one you went to Santorini. How was this experience? I know you were looking forward to it and it was also personal, uh, important for you. Can you share mm. about this experience you had? Of course, yes. So um, I saw, Sonia, that you went to Santorini last year as well. So uh, that probably helped me decide when I saw your photographs. Oh, it was my honeymoon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. And I, I saw your photographs and I thought, 
I want to go there. But I had, but even before that, I had wanted to go there for years because I first tasted the wine of Santorini when I was working at Berry Brothers. Um, must have been about eight or nine years ago, I first tasted white wine from Santorini. And they have this indigenous grape variety called Assyrtico, which um, has all these remarkable qualities. Santorini, as you know, is a very hot place. You know, it's quite near the equator. It's quite far south. Um, and normally white wines, in order to retain freshness, need to be grown in a cooler environment. Otherwise, they don't have enough acidity. They're not uh, crisp enough. They're not balanced. But Assyrtico, as a grape variety, has these unique qualities where even when it gets very ripe, it can retain acidity. And it also has this kind of like stony mineral quality to it. So absolutely delicious wines. Um, so that was my main reason for wanting to visit Santorini. And then uh, your photos helped me along. So in March this year, uh, my partner and I booked our trip there. We visited lots of vineyards when we were there and drank lots of Assyrtico as well as experimenting with the other uh, varieties on the island. Um, and then on our last night, uh, he got down on one knee and proposed. So it's an even more special place. <laughs> It's it's something about you know love uh, in this place is like um, yeah very romantic right it, it's it is very romantic you had your proposal there you had my honeymoon so it, it's something yeah. special in in this area and now that you mentioned the, the vineyards and well, congratulations by the way thank you I already told you but yeah it's 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 beautiful and and memories that you will have forever and the beautiful pictures absolutely. I, I just remember like if it was yesterday, you know, uh, when mm. it was there and I would repeat all the time, as many times as I can. So I, I just, when you were talking about the vineyards and all the places you, you visited there, I remember something very curious because I also had like a wine tasting when I was there in Santorini, delicious wine, I agree. And they do something very weird with the vineyards. They just put them like a ring, you know, um, I never seen this before, and I suppose it's because of this. The temperature, the the, is hotter, right? And and the wine needs uh, maybe the grape needs uh, to cool. They do like holes, and they. Did yeah, you, it's, it's I very. I don't know if it's unique or there is also in other places in the world, but I never seen anything similar. No, I haven't seen anywhere else in the world where they do that. It's a kind of they call it a sort of basket training system where they wind the. Um, the, the vine round and round so it looks starts to resemble a basket um, uh, a lot of it is to do with protecting the uh, vines from the wind because you may have experienced when you were on the island some very strong winds we had that a couple of days uh, in fact the day, one of the days I was visiting vineyards <laughs> I put on my Instagram reels you know the, me, me blowing in the wind basically you could hardly walk forward without almost falling over um, and that really made me think, yes, I'm experiencing what I've read about in books, which is that Santorini is very windy and the vines need to be protected from the wind. Okay, so it's the wind. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So, I don't know um, if you want to... Like, have you ever done any um, wine tour? Uh, you know, these tourist, tourist um, attractions, wine places? Have you ever done one of these um, routes? In, in different countries mm. with tasting? I heard about that, question. but I never tried. Yeah, um, I would say that more and more places in the world are getting very well set up to welcome tourists. 
uh, it used to be the tradition that uh, the New World, in other words, places like Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, had the reputation for being beautifully set up, you know, with tours and restaurants with views and everything. Whereas the old world, the European countries, weren't so um, ready to welcome people uh, in that way. Uh, but actually, a lot of them are upping their game as well. So you can travel to many countries in the world and have a beautiful uh, tasting and tour experience. I tend, I have tended always to visit as a trade visitor, so I haven't tended to join the tours. I did do once though, I think in the south of France, there's an area down near um, Spanish border, the Roussillon area, so it's a little town called Bagnols where they make a sort of port-like fortified wine and I did join a tour there, which was really enjoyable. So I, I highly recommend wine tourism. I think it's a growing industry in many countries yeah definitely need to check this out so Anne, what's um, what's the most can you share any anecdotes like a fun anecdote that you had in your career i don't know if you were in your trips or, or related with wine and travel that you can uh, share with us to good question <laughs> um I think I've shared some of my best stories with you already, but yeah, the South Africa one <laughs> was the best because, you know, trying to think of, uh, of me, you know, getting up at six o'clock every day to get my hands covered in grape juice and having my nails ruined and uh, the, the kangaroos, I'm trying to think, think of, I can think of anything else. They're probably buried deep in there somewhere. I might have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. So is there any challenge that you um, had to overcome? Because I know sometimes, you know, when, when we have, uh, we are busy with our schedules and, uh, you know, um, we, we kind of buy our own excuses to not travel or not to maybe invest the time, the effort, the energy to go to these places and, and have these experiences. I don't know if this is something you ever experienced or you just were so excited to go and travel, but you didn't have any problem? Um, so, you know, sometimes it was challenging. So um, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be awarded a scholarship by Wine Australia in 2012, which allowed me to travel through several wine regions of Australia, which was a really magnificent experience, an incredible opportunity. Um, but I was on my own. So there were parts of that that were challenging because quite often there was an intense schedule uh, of uh, vineyard visits every day and you know you need to be sort of your bright perky sociable self at each visit um so i i did find that like quite draining and quite tiring and i i know i think i think people will associate wine tasting with fun uh, but when you have to start at eight thirty a.m. <laughs> with your very first glass of red wine, and you have to spit everything out because you can't risk getting drunk because you're, you know, a professional, uh, it actually is harder work than it sounds. And um, so I do have some memories of wine trips where I was really tired. You know, was, I was having a wonderful time and meeting amazing people, but there were so many wines to taste. It can be a bit grueling on the palate. Uh, and you have to be at your best, you know, you're, you're representing yourself, you're representing your industry, your country. Uh, so 
sometimes it wasn't as easy as it sounds. Yeah, it's, it's uh, what you said. We relate maybe with fun and travel, wine, all this, but sometimes this, this other side that we don't see that, uh, that is there as well. Yeah. What's next now? And what's in your projects? What is in your agenda professionally, also maybe traveling? Ooh, travel. Haven't, I haven't planned any new wine travel yet. Um, we're thinking of going possibly to Sardinia on our honeymoon and they make incredible wine there. Um, oh, I should add as well that we're actually getting married in a vineyard. So our, wow. our wedding guests, will, um, it's going to be next May uh, in England. So our wedding guests will get to experience exactly what I talked about earlier, which is the joy of drinking a wine in the place where it was made. So really looking forward to wow. that. Um, and professionally, well, I have something in the pipeline. Uh, I won't reveal all yet, but as you know, one of my passions is communicating my love of wine to others. And I love to talk about wine in a sort of unstuffy way. I think wine has a bit of an image problem. Um, people think of the wine connoisseur and they think of somebody stuffy and pompous and um, I don't like to talk about wine in that way I like to make it very fun and relatable uh, so I have created a resource for uh, for people who want to really just kind of take a leap in their understanding of the key concepts that that underlie wine and that will uh, will build into something next year which I'm looking forward to creating so watch this space wow looking forward to it no more Okay, Ellen, you know that I love collecting hidden gems from all around the world. So I don't want to let you go <laughs> until you share with us from your place, your region, your area. What's the thing that you would say is a must to visit that maybe it's not that famous, but you will recommend? Well, you know, um, I spoke briefly just now about English wine. And I think uh, I've lived in England for 18 years now. And I think a lot of people from outside the UK aren't yet aware that here in England we produce world-class sparkling wine uh, and with a client a couple of years ago I created the country's largest English sparkling wine list in a beautiful mm -hmm. bar in central London and um, that they're not a client anymore but we still uh, work together on some projects and they is a bar that I would highly recommend visiting. It's called the Coral Room near Tottenham Court Road Tube Station. It's a magnificent, elegant bar to be inside and you can try some of our country's best sparkling wines in there. So I highly recommend a visit. That's well, good to know. Yeah, we will add it to our bucket list. Thank you very much, Dan. So last but not least, where people can contact you? What's the best way if somebody wants to contact you? Of course, you can find me at my website, which is annemichael.com. So that's A-N-N-E-M-C-H-A-L-E.com. And if you would like to get hold of uh, the resource I mentioned earlier, which is my free mini video series for people who are new to wine, uh, you can um, just check out the new to wine heading on the website and you can get hold of it there. Definitely. I love to check it out as well. Thank you, Juan. It's been a pleasure to have you on board the Travel Coach today. Thank you so much, Sonia. Look forward to speaking again soon. It was fantastic. Thank you. And everybody tuning in, happy and safe travels. Bye, Anne. Take care. Bye, Sonia. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
For new adventures every week, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For more travel coach insights, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Sonia Cruz Oro. Happy travels!